This episode of On the Left Side is being broadcast in honour of Tottenham Hotspur's season. It is with great sadness that we announce the death of hope at White Hart Lane and the passing of any chance they might actually win something this season. We understand this news may affect many people and if you have been affected by hyper-false optimism or cases of severe delusion, then you can contact us on our Twitter account at On the Left Side. Now we will hold a two-second silence. A second for every title Spurs have won in their 135-year history. Now, on with the show. Hello, welcome to your weekly dose of Football Funny. This is On The Left Side, and I'm Jim. Watcha! There is once again loads of football news to get through, including UEFA's plans to change the penalty shootout forever. We all know the format of a shootout by now. One team takes a penalty, then the other one takes one, and so on and so on, until a winner is decided. But the European governing body has decided that that gives an unfair advantage to the team that goes first. So, they want to introduce a system where the first penalty is taken by Team A, followed by Team B, who will then take the second and third penalty before Team A come back and take the fourth penalty, and so on and so on. A, B, B, A. Which explains why UEFA refer to this as the ABBA method. The thing is, now the UK is heading out of Europe, are we really going to do what UEFA tell us and take on the ABBA style? I fully expect us to come up with our very own similar but not quite as good idea. We'll call it the Bucks Fizz method. Whatever happens, the governing body will be making their minds up very soon. Thanks. So, what's coming up on this week's show? We learn about the UK's hipster football club, search for sexual equality Brazilian style, and hope that Alan Pardew gets a job back in football soon. But first, Maybe FIFA didn't do such a good job after all. It was about a year ago that FIFA disbanded its racism task force when it declared that their mission was completed. So it's a bloody good job that we've not seen a single smudge of racism in the sport since, right? Oh yeah, that's except those fines handed out to Lazio and Juventus last month for their racist chanting, or the FIFA punishment for Kosovo and Croatia for the racist insults that they were throwing at Serbians during their World Cup qualifying games, or the countless reports of deep-seated cultural racism in Russian football, the very nation that will be hosting FIFA's showpiece next year. But apart from that and the countless other fines and incidents, not a sign of it, right? Good work, FIFA. But it is one thing looking at behaviour like that in other countries and sagely shaking our heads in disapproval. It feels very different when that comes to our own doorstep. Last week, it was the North London derby, arguably one of the hottest derbies in the Premier League right now. It was always going to be fiery. It was always going to be aggressive. It was always going to be passionate. But there's passionate and there's this. And this is not okay. I was racially abused today. I haven't had that at a football ground for years. That's Robbie. You'll know him as the host of Arsenal Fan TV. There is no other football ground that I go to where... I got what I got today. Tottenham Hotspur, sort it out. Sort it out. It is disgusting. Now, there are loads of things that it's okay to have a go at people from Arsenal Fan TV about, but the colour of their skin is not one of them. You can't really blame Spurs fans, I guess. They've got a team playing well. They're second in the league. There's some expansive, exciting football going on at the club. 
It's no wonder they think it's the 1960s again. In fact, maybe all of this is just some kind of Tory election trick. They're trying to get voters to remember the dark old days under a Labour government in the 1960s and 70s by taking the whole of the UK back in time. Bigoted, outdated, disgusting views and all. So we've not beaten racist behaviour in the UK yet. But at least one country is taking a stand, even if the approach of the Italian FA is quite novel. They appear to be trying to stop any funny foreign players from stepping onto the pitch in the first place. What happened to Montari today, the clash between Cagliari and Pescara? Yeah, he suffered racist abuse throughout that game. At the end of the first half, he actually identified who was doing it. He went up to the referee and said, this is ongoing, how come you haven't stopped the game? The referee booked him because he was protesting vociferously, at which point Montari left the field of play. That was the BT Sport report into the racist incident involving ex-Portsmouth midfielder Sully Montari. What happened next was incredible. The Italian FA banned Montari for one game for walking off the pitch in protest to the racist abuse that he was getting from the stands and the complete lack of support from the referee. That's kind of like going to a police station because you've been mugged and getting locked up because the mugger complained that you didn't have enough money and you've got a shit mobile phone. Insanity. I really admire the way Montari handled the situation. He went over to the people giving him abuse to try and reason with them. He reported the incident to the referee. He even offered the shirt off his back to the child in the crowd who was hurling abuse at him alongside his dad because, in Montari's words, he needed to set an example so he grows up to be nice. But actions like that from Montari will have absolutely zero effect whilst governing bodies concerned continue to behave like complete and utter shithawks. Thankfully, the shithawkiness of the Italian FA was slightly lessened after a lot of noise from the world's media forced them to overturn the ban. And who knows, that could be a watershed moment in terms of racism in Italian football. But that didn't happen before BBC pundit Garth Crooks called for action from the players in Italy when he said... I'm calling on players in Italy, black and white, to make it absolutely clear to the Federation in Italy that their position is unacceptable. And if the decision is not reversed, then they withdraw their services until it is. It's a bold, brave shout. If 10,000 Liverpool fans walking out of Anfield in the 77th minute to protest against their ticket prices can change an entire club's pricing structure, what impact could that kind of protest have? I'd go a step further. Why create more divisions? Why not every player, black and white, strike in protest if there is another incident like this in the sport? What kind of message would that then send? What kind of impact could that demonstration of solidarity have? Thankfully, such protests won't be needed on this occasion. But just imagine for a second if all the players on your team didn't turn up for a match. Action would have to be taken. Hang on, what am I talking about? You don't have to imagine all your players not turning up for a match. Just take a look at Sunderland. It happens there every week. We live in a hipster world. Every direction you look in, you'll catch a glimpse of a man with a man bun and a beard, a fixie bike or a fella drinking a craft beer flavoured with a fruit you've never heard of being drunk out of a mason jar. You can't even get a cup of coffee now unless it's been previously digested by a bloke who lives in a cave in Peru who's listened to nothing but Bell and Sebastian for the last 25 years. But the beautiful game has remained largely unaffected until now. In a suburb of Manchester, in the shadow of Old Trafford, Chalton and West Didsbury Football Club have been dubbed the Hipster 
football team. That tag has come courtesy of a video that's been doing the rounds on social media from the club's supporters, which includes a rather unusual and original football chant celebrating a certain chickpea-based snack. Why would be a very reasonable question to ask at this point, and here to answer just that question is Matthew Britton, one of the founders of their die-hard fan base, the Crombacker Ultras. Hello, Matthew. Hi, mate. So first, tell me, bear in mind that some people might not have heard of Chalton. Why a chant about hummus? Uh, well, in Manchester, Chalton's known as being quite bohemian, a little bit hipster. The stereotypical person who lives in Chalton is somebody who's vegan, only eats organic food. I suppose that's why the, the hummus quinoa chant <laughs> was, uh, was picked. Was it a coordinated thing then? Was it song sheets were handed round and someone just spontaneously started singing about hummus and then the guy next to him went, do you know what, I love hummus too, I'm going to join in with this. Well, we have, um, like, we all jokingly in the club make chants, but it's uh, one of our fans who uh, goes by the Twitter name of Bartha Jim, who thought it up, well, he claims to anyway, uh, and I think he started chanting it when we played FC United away in the Cup. Yeah. And since then, it's become uh, a bit of a staple. Now, this chant has kind of gone a little bit viral on the web and it's earned Chalton and West Didsbury the reputation of being the hipster football club for the UK. Is it just based on that chant or is it kind of a little bit hipster in other leanings as well? Like the Chalton and West Didsbury fan base is, like, uh, my cousin of Chalton itself, like we're got a fairly young fan base. Uh, yeah, so I made a, a fair few West Eastern Shortland EU flags early in the season after the <laughs> Brexit vote, and they sold out. And yeah, we've got a, a fairly progressive fan base, I think. As really a result does. of this attention of being the hipster club, do you see more people wearing those horned rim glasses without any glass in and people jotting poetry into <laughs> notebooks at half-time now? You see, I'd be very into uh, having like a club poet. I think <laughs> that'd be that'd be incredible. The the horn rim glasses we could probably do without, but I'm sure that we'd be able to swing them a place in the program. Some musings on uh, Nick Evangelinus's late Maisie run. There's a uh, position wanted. If you're listening and you're in West Isbury and Chalton area, there is a position wanted <laughs> at the club for you. Are there any other chants that are along similar lines that you personally have as favourites? The similar one. Bit more complex and only uh, only gets brought out on special occasions, which is West West, wherever you may be. We hummus and celery. We don't eat meat. We love broccoli. We are Chawton and Didsbury. It sounds amazing. It sounds like you guys don't take yourselves too seriously and there's a great atmosphere down there. But I've got a little test for you to finish off this chat. I want to know exactly how hipster is your football club? I've got a load of multiple choice questions for you. You need to answer them, honestly, and we'll work out exactly how hipster your club is. First question. Is your team kit made from A, a cotton and polyester mix, B, the latest in high-tech body cooling fabric, C, it's a retro 1960s original we picked up in the local charity shop, or D, it's knitted by a local group of vegan men made from 100% hemp? Well, we've, uh, we've joked about trying to get a hemp uh, kit before, but <laughs> yeah. unfortunately it's the latest in body cooling technology, sadly. Question two. What is the team's favoured mode of transport? Is it A, players use their own cars to get to games? Is it B, we have a painted minibus in the club colours? Is it C, we have a fleet of environmentally friendly Prius? 
Or is it D, the team have provided everyone with responsibly sourced tandem bicycles? Uh, well, I know that a lot of the fans uh, make their way down on bicycles, but it's, uh, yeah, they all get down by their own cars, unfortunately, the players. OK, bad score there. Okay, yeah. Finally, I've ordered a burger at half-time. What's it going to be served on? A bit of greaseproof paper? B, a styrofoam box? C, a bone china plate from the 1950s? Or D, a piece of slate decorated with a splash of tomato jus and some wilted rocket on the side? Uh, well, we don't do burgers, but it would be D if we did. For special occasions, again, we do a vegan chilli, uh, but it's mainly just pies. They're in styrofoam. We're working on the, uh, working on the snacks. Matt, it's a beautiful thing. I think it sounds like you're doing great work there and it sounds like there's a club with a real community spirit that's doing stuff a little bit differently and that should be praised. So, Matt, thank you very much for your time and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much, mate. I uh, hope we see you down, uh, down at Dropburn Road one day. Do you remember a few weeks ago when David Moyes made some ill-advised remarks regarding slapping a female reporter? The papers were all quick to jump on the moral outrage bandwagon and condemn the Sunderland manager for his sexist behaviour. Papers like the Mirror were quick to slam Dave. How could a modern man in a progressive sport such as football be caught out with such outdated, misogynistic, chauvinistic views? And good for them. Standing up for the fairer sex, demanding equality, it really is what our big media outlets should do. Right, I'm going to take a quick break now from on the left side. I'm just going to read the paper. Um, this, this old copy of the Mirror will do. Let's, uh, oh, what's, what's this article? Meet Denise Bueno, the stunning lines woman taking Brazilian football by storm. Oh, they're just brilliant, the mirror, aren't they? Yet again, striking a blow for feminism by featuring a female sportsperson doing so well in a male-dominated field. I mean, it's either that or the half-dozen pictures of the model-come-referee's assistant in a very tight and inexplicably wet T-shirt as she waves around a flag on the touchline. That's six pictures that were accompanied by just over 100 words. A more cynical man might suggest that Miss Bueno isn't a real referee's assistant at all. Instead, she's just trying to further her modelling career. Or perhaps this is Set Blatter after his insistence on women footballers wearing tighter tops and shorter shorts fell on deaf ears at FIFA. He's got himself a job in the Brazilian Amateur Football League instead. Apparently, the model-come-lines person doesn't like the nickname of Sexy Lino that she's picked up. And she says... I don't think I'm sexy. Some of them call me a sexy lino. A description I don't like. I'd rather be considered a pro. You can't really say fairer than that, can you? And she is doing just what every professional woman does when they want to be taken seriously. Stick on their most revealing top and pour a bottle of cold water all over it. Maybe it's time that football started showing a bit more respect to women in general. Maybe it's time that we took a page out of the book of former Manchester United and Spurs striker Dimitar Berbatov. The big Ford's touch has become a thing of legend at every club at which he's played and he was quizzed on his silky skills on goals on Sunday when he said... Sometimes I see players who are trying to fight with the ball. You don't yeah. fight with the ball, you just you try to be gentle with the ball, like you are gentle with a woman, you know, be gentle, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, make a play for you. <laughs> that said, I'm not sure... All players treating the football like they treat women is a great idea. You just get John Terry sneaking off the pitch while the game was in progress and playing with all his teammates' balls. 
certain members of the Leicester City youth team would probably throw their pre-season tour into disarray by filming themselves doing some offensive and culturally insensitive things with some local balls. Oi. And Wayne Rooney, he'd just completely ignore all the nice new balls and only play with the old, tatty, deflated balls that he finds on the back street somewhere in Liverpool. And finally, when you set your stall out to be a funny football podcast, and yes, that is what we try to be, believe it or not, some weeks it's going to be tougher to make jokes than others. And there seems to have been a few of those weeks recently. This week, Aaron Lennon was detained by police for his own safety under the Mental Health Act. Mental health can be a tough thing to understand. It strikes in a million different ways, often has no physical manifestation, and can be utterly all-consuming and debilitating. I'll be honest, I personally struggle to understand it, and I don't pretend to. But I do know what is unacceptable. And once again, the Daily Mail haven't so much crossed that line, but dived willfully across it like Marcus Rashford trying to win a penalty. This story was always going to be a headline. That's the world we live in, where privacy and dignity means very little if you choose to perform a job in the public eye. And I also understand the irony of me criticising that. But the headline... £55,000 a week England footballer Aaron Lennon is detained under Mental Health Act after a standoff with police. Is not okay. Not only does it sensationalise a story that deserves sympathy and compassion, but it connects directly the idea that someone who earns a load of money can't possibly have problems. How can you, a footballer, not be laughing all the way to the bank? How dare you, with all your money, have problems when we, with mortgages and kids and fucking jobs at the Daily Fucking Mail, don't? Hey, 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 what's wrong with you? We shouldn't be surprised. This is a newspaper that had a pop at Raheem Sterling for shopping in Poundland one week and then buying a £300,000 car the next week. Now they've found a target that they can really do some damage with. It's worth knowing that it doesn't matter what job you have or the balance of your bank accounts, one in three people in the UK will suffer with mental health problems each and every year. So the chances are it'll affect one or two of your friends, or even yourself. Maybe events and incidents like this will help raise the profile of that issue, so that has to be the small positive that is taken from this story. But until that point, Lennon deserves the time he needs to recover in private. Get well soon. Right, that is it for another week of football funny stuff. Thank you for coming along. If you've not subscribed to this podcast yet, then please do so, however you're listening to the show now. Before I go, I just want to talk about Alan Pardew for a second and make an appeal. Can someone please give him a job? Because the sooner he's back in football, the sooner he'll be off our TV screens. This week, He gave his insightful and knowledgeable opinion on why Sunderland were relegated from the Premier League when he said on Monday Night Football... I think they were one of the weakest teams in the the division, along with Middlesbrough, and ironically, they're the two teams at the bottom. No, Alan, it's not ironic. I don't think. It's not at all ironic. And yes, I really do think. It's like way Washed up at 31 It's bed managers Taking those bums It's the black cats Relegated cause they are shit It's not ironic It figures See you next week Bye bye 
No lado esquerdo é escrito e produzido pelo sexy Anthony Mugley e o profissional Jim Salveson para o áudio abrupt. Tá. Erro idiota. Erro idiota. Anthony. Oh, eu tenho que português.